Allowed, an independent podcast presented by the Academic and Special Libraries section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney-Ferris, and thanks for tuning in again if you're a regular listener, and hello to any new listeners out there. Um, so as it's that time of year when there are a lot of new students and graduates embarking on information careers, um, we continue the theme with this episode of navigating the early stages of your career as an information professional. Um, so I sat down and talked to Shona Toma from New Professionals Day Ireland about her career progression and the lessons she's learned so far and about New Professionals Day Ireland and what they do to support early career librarians. <laughs> Thank you for thank you for having me. <laughs> You're uh, so let's get straight into it. Uh, your library story. How the hell did you end up in the big bad world of libraries? Um, well, it's not a very exciting story, really. But make one. <laughs> um, I suppose, like I uh, studied an arts degree, kept things broad. Today, being leaving cert results day, I, yeah. you know, thinking back yeah, to that day, yeah. Arts <laughs> yeah. Arts degrees. Yeah, yeah. Just kept wanted to keep it open and. And during my time uh, as an art student, I was volunteering with SUAS, um, and I was working on a kind of a homework club um, with uh, young girls from disadvantaged areas, and really fell into that area as being something I was very passionate about, um, and went on and did a diploma in youth and community work after I finished my arts degree, um, and continued to work part-time in youth work over that time. Um, and I suppose... You know, I was looking at the you know the big jobs in the back of the paper, the big you know yeah. ones that you aspire to one day, and I noticed that a lot of arts um, kind of, there was a lot of arts jobs and jobs where you're working in the community and helping people um, were based around libraries, mm-hmm. um, and I'd been working in an art gallery as well, so I kind of thought that libraries would be something that would bring bring those interests together I guess um, yeah. of course it didn't happen as like neatly and tidily as that it was another five or six years before I actually went back and applied for the for the library because probably ten years even five years ago there wasn't as much kind of, of that kind of community work yeah, in yeah. as there is now like it certainly accelerated a lot yeah perhaps or, yeah I suppose it, yeah maybe it was kind of things in the UK that I was looking at I was you know yeah. as I said it was very much the kind of the big jobs. There weren't anything that you'd be getting to <laughs> within the first ten or fifteen years of your career. Um, so yeah, that's and can't really remember how I actually, you know, made the final decision to go back to library school. But mm-hmm. I I knew that was something I needed to do, and I knew that 
I needed to get my work experience first, so I actually did an internship in Clare County Council um, and was working there for a year, setting up a staff library. Um, so that was my first introduction into bits of cataloguing and weeding out old... And was that <laughs> anything that you kind of had perceived as being part of a library job before, or was um, that kind of shocked to the system, the cataloguing and the weeding? Oh, I think, like, everything about it. I think the reality of libraries was definitely quite a big shock to the system. Yeah. You know, and I think certainly... The technology side of things, I was probably quite ignorant of that before I started looking at actual jobs and the yeah, course, the college course. Yeah, I I remember having a disastrous interview prior to doing the the library masters, and they were asking me about the modules, you know, upcoming on the course because yeah. I'd already been accepted onto the course, and I mentioned a few modules, and they were. Oh, I think they, they were quite critical in the interview of my knowledge of technology and I was, I don't know, spouting some weird thing I'd seen about yeah. borrowing books via Facebook or something. It was like, you know, even social <laughs> media to me was quite like new. You know, with, you know, Go, just taking yeah. first steps into the profession. Oh, yeah. Shame yeah. on those I, who, I, who I, I cried on the train back to Claire. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually horrible because that's kind of somebody's first introduction to trying to make that first step into yeah. the library world. Yeah, and I suppose... It shows how easy it is for someone to kind of break your confidence or break your... Kind of yeah, I suppose, and I suppose it's some of those early experiences and those sort of, you know, how a lot of people would um, view librarianship as like a completely different thing to what it is in reality. And also those yeah. sort of difficult first experiences is what has helped me to be quite like passionate about supporting new professionals. And yeah. even though it doesn't happen in reality that people who don't have any experience in libraries would they don't come that much to the new professionals day events um it is it is something we try and reach out to people who are still just considering the course even yeah. because it can be a good kind of taster of what's what's to expect and you need yeah you, know, you kind of need those people to encourage you or kind of yeah yeah. Coax you in yeah. along the way, whatever yeah. whatever it is that makes you make that first step. Exactly. If someone scares you off in those very early days, yeah. then that can mean the difference between you actually pursuing a career in yeah. the information profession or not. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. Could stuck with <laughs> yeah. Well, work. luckily I had already been accepted onto the course, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no turning back at that point. And so what was your perception then when you got onto the course? Did you suddenly kind of go, oh God, this is actually really different or... Yeah, I think I suppose there's some things that you totally expect, you know, in terms of the cataloguing. Like I said, I've been doing this very basic sort of cataloguing of, you know, the kind of grey material and policy and the kind of documentation around the county council and things like that. And even though, yeah, like even though it was not to any particular standard or anything, that background definitely helped in the course, in the cataloguing and that. And then I suppose, again, you know, just the utter, you know, the sheer kind of, learning curve of the technologies like mm. learning html code and various different kind of social media type things all that was was very new i think i had just maybe bought a smartphone just before starting the masters mm. so i went from being quite like a luddite to, to like suddenly being able to do all these amazing things and look i created I a web page like for us poor gets who did all their you know second level education before Windows 95 was even a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Or when the master's course was still <laughs> teaching about CD-ROMs and things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was probably a bit of a, of a steep learning curve. Yeah. Just the, the, the huge range of... of the, to, the, the range of, like, library roles that there are out there as well. And I think the master's really was, like, successful in 
educating everyone about that I mean I know it changes the the staff change from year to year and everything but I think that that was really important you know that you're kind of going in with maybe like so I knew that I wanted to maybe work in communities and help people mm-hmm. and I liked you know arts and books and then the masters you know really blows that out of the water in terms of mm-hmm. you can work in corporate environments and you might be doing this thing with web publishing or you might be editing or you know working towards something to do with journals and publishing you know all those kind of things you know I think I think it did actually succeed in kind of at least broadening your perception and yeah. and you know, I don't think any one-year course can prepare you for all the work that's out no, there. Particularly um, because it is so broad. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know a lot of people come out of the Masters saying, oh, you know, it didn't prepare me for this and it didn't prepare me for that, but sure, I don't think, there's there's very few education like that you would do that you're 100% prepared for the workplace after doing Yeah, doing even in a very kind of linear path where you're doing something, engineering or accounting or yeah. something where it's yeah. very a very straight path to a particular job even in something like that the you know the, the theory and the reality is always going yeah. to be really different like the working world yeah. is yeah or you know accountancy you know you're doing your exams whilst you're working or there's a reason you know doctors yeah. and nurses they're all working and you know working on wards before they yeah, as well. yeah so you know the, the environment you work in has a big impact on yeah absolutely how you adapt yeah. your kind yeah, I'm sure that's the thing. The adaptability is is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you come out bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> UCD. Yeah, well, I rushed headlong into even before I'd finished the masters. hadn't even handed in the capstone project, and I was working for Aviva, um, and that was just a short contract where we were working. There was me and another information professional. The two of us were both um, working on their sort of um, document services and like. Um, re kind of matching up client records back to their oh. you know digital versions yeah. and their their numbers and things like that it was that it was like a lot of weeding a lot of new, yeah a like new type of role the sort of role that really wouldn't have existed maybe 10 years ago or yeah definitely and it's very much falls into the kind of records management mm-hmm. you know um area and yeah it was a lot of cleaning up of documents, weeding and scanning and lots of quality control and things like that. Um, so it was good. It was definitely, like you said, it's like very new. There was definitely room there to kind of maybe move on and maybe like manage that project a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I'd seen that it was a six-month contract and I suppose I was only in it for the six months and I also had an opportunity came up then with Trocra. Um, so I was uh, moved from Aviva to Trocra, and that was a knowledge management role. So I was kind of really like taking on board all these, you know, new titles and not so typical librarian yeah, librarian like roles. Very yeah, things. yeah. But that sort of seems like maybe a, did that appeal to your interest in doing something? Exactly. Quite exactly. Kind of yeah. In social or community. Yeah, and work. and being able to sort of see like. Um, like having a little bit of experience of development and how development organisations work from having been with SUAS before, I could kind of see how knowledge management was so important to them in terms of, mm. you know, everything from like grant applications, to project planning and all that kind of thing. And that was, I was based within the kind of IT department in, in Drogra and that was, it was great learning experience to see how, how vital knowledge management really was, but also how hard that is to communicate to all the various stakeholders within the organisation. So, it's, again, yeah, 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 certainly coming from being in a charity myself, yeah, yeah, really see the, how very, very important knowledge management and kind of 
knowledge capture in, in the organization is yeah. and just how difficult it is because yeah. it's you're constantly thinking about kind of you know the bottom line yeah. and what is justifiable from the perspective of your you know, your donors and the people who are giving you money and it wouldn't be the first thing on anyone's priority list of where your money should be going. Yeah. It's so vital yeah. you don't lose that really important kind of knowledge. And exactly, yeah, and documenting it all the way along, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember going to actually during my time when I was at Rocra I went to an SLA event mm-hmm. that was with ANL Goodbody. And that was brilliant because it really I think as a new new graduate from the library masters I was really enthusiastic about everything that knowledge management meant mm. but as a one person and trying to sort of pioneer it in the in the organization that was that was tough but I at that event the SLA event was brilliant it was really clarified just that even that moment of you know that they they had to even with lawyers you kind of coax them to do the kind of final evaluation part at the end going yeah. what knowledge did you need and what more knowledge could you have had and, and that, you capture that yeah that that, that that that's a really successful you know organization doing it really well mm-hmm. and what what could I kind of bring from that back to Trogra yeah. yeah yeah but I think knowledge management is one of those things that no one's quite getting it right yet. Yeah, it's, it's definitely getting, it's getting more and more priority. A, a, yeah. a little bit more of an understanding of it. You're seeing roles being advertised for yeah. knowledge managers. Absolutely. And link, and I suppose linking up whether the people hiring for those, are they are they aware of the kind of librarian's skill set mm-hmm. and are they matching up, you know, with library and information professionals and, what, you know. Yeah, and just being able to give, come in and give them the perspective of, like I always find that, even when there is um, an acceptance that you know, capturing knowledge and documenting it is important, there isn't necessarily always the awareness of it as kind of a full life cycle of yeah. a project. Is yeah. just you know what happens in applying for the grant and getting it up and running and actually having it be successful. It's it's you know how do you document that? How do you make sure that five years down the line all of the knowledge isn't gone? Yeah. That you know if someone goes looking for how this project kind of came into action yeah. want to do something similar that they can yeah, and not, everything related yeah, to and not to recover old, old ground and repeat kind of yeah, things that have been done before yeah. in the, charity, the charity sector is yeah. there is a lot of competition yeah so absolutely especially if people are on shorter contracts which just does it, it just does it's just the reality of yeah, being in sort of charity sector yeah yeah um, and something you were saying I can't remember something you said about knowledge management oh I just think yeah that it's very much it's brilliant that it's grounded like in systems and the kind of technology that supports it and obviously librarians have those skills to bring but also it's understanding people's sort of psychology around it all the like knowledge seeking behaviours and the kind of you know people sort of feeling a little bit possessive over their work and I think that's why kind of librarians can bring together that package of you know the yeah, kind of technical skills and the more empathy the whole picture of things yes yeah, yeah. yeah you're right though it is an awful, an awful lot to do with you know organizational psychology more than yeah you know yeah the processes and the practices are really simple you can go in and write a document that tells people this is what you should be doing yeah. this is how you should be recording things this is what you should be capturing and yeah where but it's getting people to change their practices quite yeah. difficult so, yeah, because it was a really kind of baptism of fire. Like Definitely. One of the toughest things that yeah. you can do as an information professional in terms of trying to organise people and their content when it's an organisation that's been around for a long time and there's a lot of yeah. content and it's not maybe not necessarily the, 
yeah. their highest priority. Exactly, because people are so busy day to day, they've got so much going on. I mean, I think even, for example, the one of the women who had interviewed me initially, she actually had a master's in librarianship, so she was oh, really? really understanding of yeah. where the sort of information needed to kind of be saved, etc. Um, and then from basically the whole time that I was there, she was in the Philippines on like a humanitarian sort of on-site and I never saw her again and that was you know it was fine I just got, got on with doing what I was Do doing. Think, was that the reason why they were hiring someone? With because she had had that insight into I think so yeah 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 her her she was actually within the humanitarian department and her and the CIO both really recognized mm-hmm. that that was a good combination of skills yeah yeah. yeah. could benefit from that yeah yeah but probably had they not had someone with knowledge yeah and I mean I had a profession that might not have happened yeah and I suppose I had to like I ran with doing a research project and making recommendations but with the short time that I had there it was a contract you know that's the best that I could do and I was always very satisfied with leaving that behind me but yeah they they definitely had all the vision but like as we keep saying the charity sector it's like having that vision and actually you know tying it down and keeping it yeah, it's, it's difficult, yeah. Kind of the resources yeah. to keep it going. Yeah. So, yeah. So we do have to be, yeah, advocates so all the time. For like about nine or ten months. Yeah. Um, and then, so this is how my story, the Trokra is based out in Minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my Minute story. And I haven't really been able to keep myself away from Kildare. <laughs> 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 so I had, at that time, I had the interviews for doing occasional work and a kind of short contract work with... Minute, which mm-hmm. they actually do, I think they do it most years now, and it's really good. I think a lot of people have had their kind of first professional role yeah, and a good start into really good start into academic libraries. Um, so I went in on that, and yeah, um, was just surrounded by really really supportive people mm-hmm. in Minute, and was working on their LibQual survey, which is oh. a survey of all user perceptions of the libraries of space and the information and everything so it was good because I had that sort of data analysis from looking at what Troca were doing so I could mm. bring that in so like you said it's kind of you know you don't learn everything like that on your masters you know I hadn't heard of LibQual before yeah. doing that but having that sort of adaptability to go oh yeah this is about user needs which is like a key driver for us mm. and you know this is why it's why it's important to work on it and yeah. even LibQual itself is so you know the application of it is so specific to the site yeah that, yeah you know you can you could know about it and have done it before even and it's still going to be different yeah applying it in a new setting yeah exactly exactly and kind of building on building on what they had done before and yeah yeah expanding that so my name's got their hook sent to you then yeah <laughs> Yeah, I uh, so um, so yeah. I kind of fulfilled the contract in Minute, and you know, was very, working on various different projects there. And then the opportunity came up to work with IRO, which is the Irish Research E Library, mm-hmm. um, and was very lucky to to get that role. And that was originally based. We were based in city centre, mm-hmm. and then. Last year, about 18 months ago, it was moved out to Maynooth. The whole operation was moved out to Maynooth University. So that's why I say kind of uh, have this, you know, just bad penny effect going all back roads, to Maynooth. Just <laughs> yeah. keep leading back to Maynooth. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's great. I mean, like I said, it's yeah. it's a it's a really nice place to work and um, kind of have benefited from everybody else's expertise mm-hmm. out there. I don't know, like people like Helen Fallon and Hugh and. Um, 
everyone just like yeah, couldn't start naming really couldn't start naming names but I mean heavy yeah yeah I guess a lot of people a lot of a lot of listeners would kind of know of you know how active Helen is in supporting and promoting other people's yeah, work really and stuff so I guess that's just sort of rubs off on you <laughs> can't say any better than that yeah <laughs> So how did you find the, the role with Ireland? Because again, that's another one that's very, very niche and very a different kind of approach to um, librarianship. Yeah, and that's absolutely like a definitely one that I would say, unless you'd, you know, had a module on Ireland or something, mm-hmm. you just couldn't prepare for it um, before you go in. It's, you know, a lot of data analysis mm-hmm. and, but you're kind of working with um, all of the universities and making sure that kind of their needs for their electronic resources are fulfilled um, and um, I guess just sort of managing a lot of different contracts with a lot of different publishers um, and so just being able to kind of think on your feet and you know learn quickly about the different lots of different systems involved in kind of keeping records of all the data and the usage of the of the resources, yeah. a lot of kind of monitoring and evaluation stuff. Um, so, yeah, I suppose like it was a steep learning curve. And I was really lucky in that the the manager at the time, Rita, she was you know like a whiz kid and kind of all this Excel and Microsoft Access and but like mm-hmm. kind of way more advanced features than anybody would use for for yeah. most things. Um, and luckily just had the patience to actually talk me through all of those bits and pieces so yeah it was I was there for just over two and a half years now I just just recently recently left and sort of on the move (laughs) um and yeah like I just would have learned a huge amount about the whole acquisitions process Mm -hmm. and And at a time when the kind of negotiation of contracts yeah resource subscriptions and even the monitoring of usage and usage, usage statistics for stuff like that yeah. is changing so so much yeah. and the impact of open access on acquisition of yeah it's like you resources. kind of yeah you're having to like marry up all these various different competing aspects you know you've got yeah, this kind of open access coming up over the horizon and it's this huge thing that you have to consider and you have to look at the options of what's out there and a lot of publishers are trying to meet mm-hmm. you know the libraries and universities kind of halfway on it and then you have to I don't really just do the day-to-day you have to you have to buy the resources to make sure that the academics have the resources they need for the research and yeah it's a kind of a juggling act and Mm. it's one of those areas that's kind of quite a minefield as well yeah like regardless of what size budget is whether you're running a really small library or a very large one keeping yourself covered adequately on your electronic resources is just like yeah because you can be sure you know if there's something not there today that was there last week it's not long before you know it's noticed and you have complaints from somebody saying why don't we have the most up-to-date you know copy of this or the some pre pre you know copy of a medical journal it's always the medical journals they want straight yeah, away and do you, yeah they yeah right away yeah, there's yeah. Coverage and so sometimes you could get quite passionate about it, open access and how we need to totally flip the tables and everything and then you have to sort of reel it in and just think okay well that's you know you just have to get on top of the reality of the job and get on with it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and also and i suppose yeah the negotiation with the publishers you know like you said it's quite a challenging time because you know we're coming out of that sort of so-called you know austerity and um you know 
Ireland is up on the kind of international stage as the reco- country that's yeah. experiencing great you know, recovery. Years ago, basically, yeah, was yeah. Had but yet you still have. It at all. You were incredibly lucky. Yeah, and yeah. And if you weren't cutting resources, yeah. yeah. And then to have to still be kind of saying to the publishers now, you know, no, like that the government isn't actually investing in education or, you know, that kind of, there's not any extra spend. We're just having to keep maintaining the rates, but they are selling us all their extra bells and whistles and telling us that justifies huge price hikes. So that's all just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a kind of a fascinating. You wouldn't think when you just look at the title of it and acquisitions and monitoring of resources, you wouldn't realise that there's so much going on underneath the underneath the hood. <laughs> and it's funny because it's kind of like the, the point that we're at now, you can see maybe where we're going, yeah. but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. So there, there is still the need to maintain some level of relationships and kind of keep negotiations Absolutely. going with the big yeah. publishers yeah. and to be sometimes stuck with <laughs> agreements yeah. and yeah. licenses that you don't necessarily want to be in yeah. or that are very and prohibitive in terms of your budget but you have to because we're just not there yet with yeah. um, viable options on the open access front and a huge amount of it like we are just just I, I don't I it's a huge uphill battle but I think it's all about advocacy to mm. your academic or whoever your users of your library service are whether you know if that's your doctors and health researchers or whether it's the academics and researchers within an academic library you they're the ones that really have to lead the change you know it's it's all very well for a librarian to say oh yeah we're not subscribing anymore the prices are absurd you know you'd have the you'd have the academic stuff yeah it's it's hard it's a very hard bind to be in because while you don't want to be paying extortionate kind of prices to large publishers you also don't want to turn around to some of your kind of key user groups and say well i'm sorry we can't we're just we're not buying into this anymore we're not paying yeah exorbitant prices for one individual yeah so that's why that's that's where the intermediary if you're lucky enough you know not like yourself now here is you know kind of solo operation but uh when you're in a big (laughs) my approach is i've got such a small budget is to just cry beg beg for reductions in prices Trust me, though, I've tried everything with her. a certain very large publisher who I swear I've like done everything short of getting on my knees and crying and well, explaining how small yeah. my budget is. Yeah. Um, and th- it's just laughable what they think a reduction in their prices. Yeah, yeah. Like, Here, we'll so, give you like a 1% reduction. But I mean, you're if you're working in the acquisitions or your time is really limited, it, you cannot go and educate the publisher you know your, your researchers about you know the benefits of publishing open access you know that's so that, that's that like the process someone really else see any yeah kind of benefit from it you know you have to go through yeah. an entire kind of publishing cycle yeah. which is in itself incredibly long yes go through peer review. yeah yeah so, i suppose they still yeah, want to be in the big guys we're going somewhere you know things are yeah changing a lot but we've just got so far but i mean so, i think yes. so i think open it's, access has its own pitfalls and absolutely yeah yeah, it yeah. Not, it's it's far from kind of ideal yet yeah. yeah yeah there's not an open access equivalent that you can say you know i've published in x massive journal and you know you're kind of guaranteed tenure or whatever the equivalent is yeah yeah so it's kind of it's demoralizing if you think about it too much but you know i suppose that's what we're 
that's what we're trying to do it and it's like the kind of underlying passion has to keep you going as well mm, yeah. I think it's just it's a, it's a battle and we kind of have to yeah. decide what yeah. side we're on and try and continue fighting the good fight we and are with, kind of and within librarianship it's not good enough for someone who isn't dealing with researchers to hold or isn't dealing with the publishers say it's not good enough for them to hold their hands up and say oh well I just do learning and teaching or something you know you yeah. they, everyone needs to kind of take a little bit of responsibility for that journey as well I think and kind of educating everyone about open access and about you know the even if you want to just like get out the budgets and talk to them yeah. about yeah well you know this is I mean, what this publisher is looking for that, that simple it's as sitting someone down and going will I show you what this I publisher is making for yeah yeah <laughs> for this one individual title that I'm expected to get both electronically and in print no. as well will I show you what that costs yeah well they and they, I mean users will be shocked they'll kind of come up against a website where they'll have get a paywall and yeah. they'll say what why, why is it asking me for all this money mm. <laughs> yeah that's that's how much it costs <laughs> yeah it's a tricky bind <laughs> so yeah that's another role where you were really kind of yeah and like seeing a different side of yeah, I think if every if everybody could do a stint at it, <laughs> yeah, it would be good. Yeah, yeah, just a, an education and yeah, baptism mm -hmm. of of fire and but a great huge opportunity, massive opportunity. I mean, I would say just even meeting the publishers and kind of it's sort of that thing of seeing how the other half live. Yeah, <laughs> go into their go into a big conference that's and you see always, the. That's not I know, good I mean, as a lowly no, librarian no. when you go and you see how much money they have. Yeah, yeah. No, I would. I would. This is where um, my subscription payments are going. Yeah, one of our one of the sales reps recently told me about the va a vacancy coming up with them, and I have to say it didn't even tickle my fancy one little bit. I just couldn't. I guess, and I guess that's where you know that kind of, you have your lines where you draw, and I don't. Yeah. I couldn't go onto the sales kind of side of like, things, no, and I suppose I don't know. Is there. it a snobbery or I don't? I, and I genuinely, it's not. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more, I just have a passion for the more the education yeah. and that's going to always be the initial driver for me, you know? Because they yeah. do often look for people with... Library, yeah, like yeah, absolutely. absolutely they yeah. find it difficult to get... And even just for their kind of education side, like some of the much mm -hmm. bigger publishers will have, you know, someone who is a librarian who works more, you know, they're not a sales rep, they actually are doing the training and all of that side of things. I'm sure, you know, that... That probably would be more attractive. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you're if still you you're still pushing <laughs> you're still pushing their particular product, so even though you're coming with all yeah. this help and how to publish and you know get published in our journals, mm -hmm. <laughs> feeding into that cycle. Yeah. <laughs> so you're moving on from Ireland, or you've left your Ireland yes. behind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but staying. I mean, you still have yes. So at the uh, yeah, at the moment, I am uh, working as the librarian for Library Information Services, um, and that's maternity cover post. Uh, so I'd say it probably couldn't get much more different from from IRL. Um, you know, it's a lot more. You're way more focused at the you know cold face of user interactions um, and kind of anticipating and reacting to user needs. Um, and yeah, all that, that all that, that entails in an academic library from you know your students and academic users and everything. So it's it's uh, but that's a very very new move and still really yeah getting getting my feet in under the desk. To, that 
that idea that you had when you first decided to go yeah, into yeah, the absolute, library yeah. when you mentioned that yeah. it was all like helping people or yeah and, e- and even even that really thing if you think about actually. like that kind of um management of the kind of space and events and how the library is kind of placed across mm-hmm. campus and interacting with the kind of various different departments and bodies across campus all that sort of um really appeals to me and there's like a lot of scope to to get out there and to kind of yeah to be more involved in the university community yeah I'm particularly thinking in Munich because like certainly from the outsider's perspective they seem to be doing a really good job in sort of reinventing the idea of what the library is and the yeah. library as a space and yeah. how they interact with the community as a whole and yeah. you know sort of take the library outside of just a physical space and they seem to be doing kind of really good inter- and innovative things yeah yeah absolutely and like there's I suppose two big things would be like the building of the kind of new part of the library um in Manute um that kind of reinvigorated the space and mm-hmm. almost you know automatically kind of welcomed people more in and it was you know immediately seen as a space where events could take place mm-hmm. um so big you know big things that might not be directly related to the library you know events would happen there um and it just brings more people in and then that would, you know, various departments or schools within the university see kind of what librarians are, are doing and yeah. other projects that are going on or exhibitions that are on. And it, it, it kind of ties everybody together a bit more. But also, I suppose Minute already had this kind of, you know, because it's quite a small town, but it has this huge university, which is yeah, the fastest growing. Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that it's it's always kind of been quite good for its outreach and you know, looking to the community and making sure that relationships are good. Um, and yeah, like they do a lot of outreach with kind of local schools, mm-hmm. um, kind of trying to bring a little bit of information literacy out to the schools and, you know, and, and inviting schools to come in and use use the library space, you know, once the, the academic term is over. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. really kind of broadening what their, even their user base is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah. there's a bit of a kind of like a snowballing effect with when you start doing events or bringing events you nearly, yeah. to the library <laughs> yeah. suddenly people kind of you know, yeah. change their perception of what, what the library can yeah. be doing and should be doing and begin then to come to you or especially I suppose like I don't I kind of wouldn't be involved firsthand but I know you know if you're bringing secondary school students into the library you're breaking down such a massive physical and sort of I don't know yeah, percep- a barrier of perception of what a university is you know I know when I was working with the um with the mentor and homework club when I was doing my arts degree you know one of the things we would do towards the end was bring the girls up into UCC's campus and they were just you know they'd never been into this is a space that's quite near the city centre and they'd always been too afraid to go in and too you know apprehensive of oh they'd be asked for ID cards the minute they walk through the gates Um, I know yeah. when I was an undergraduate and I first went into the university library and yeah. you know a, there's a sense of kind of where do Shock I and awe. here and just, yeah a little bit like it's very overwhelming definitely and, yeah yeah you know, eventually you just kind of stake out your own little patch like yes. you know where the materials are related to your own course and you kind of just keep gravitating back there absolutely yeah but yeah if someone had taking you through and and kind of showed you that it's a friendly space before you ever go to you might not know anything about the library but at least you know you've stepped 
foot well, inside the door okay before be and someone has and helped you at some stage. No yeah. Yeah. Shout at you or in yeah. this friendly space. Yeah, I find I yeah, I suppose like I hear a lot more recently about, you know, people who are like first time first people in their family to go to university. Yeah. And I kind of was aware of that when I went to university that I like, oh yeah, I felt in fell into that kind of mm. cohort. But now you hear I suppose this kind of role that I'm in, you hear more about it. And then especially and then uh it's not just you being the first in your family to go to university. That's quite overwhelming in its own way and you're kind of whatever your expectations about university and kind of knowing how to approach different things. But then kind of following on from that, I find, you know, going into professional roles, being the first graduate and being the first person to then get a a professional role and knowing how to go about looking for your contract and all the things around your kind of rights in employment and stuff, those things are also the first time you've done them and you don't have anyone in your family to ask you you about those things and so you know I was talking a little bit earlier already about like new professionals day that's having those supports for people when they're first graduating it's it's so important because it's not it doesn't just end with being oh you're the first to go to university it goes on into you need to think about your pension or you need to think about this there's a social aspect Yeah. whatever you come from whatever yeah. you've been taught whatever your kind of you know, background that you're bringing with you yeah. if at no point anyone has kind of tried the path that you're about to go down yeah. you do need someone kind of sometimes yeah. to step in and, yeah, yeah. So or say like oh you know when it's coming up to the end of a six month contract you know why don't you go and talk to them and ask them yeah. or, what's know, what, the what possibility or what, 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 yeah, what, yeah. what you can get yeah. away with what, yeah. you know, what rights you have so yeah, yeah so the, the groups like NPD professionals day are you know it's great to see them kind of spring yeah. up now over the last few years absolutely yeah, kind yeah. Of, yeah. You know, I suppose extend that service to people coming into the profession of like look here are people who've done this before yeah and you can ask you know, them what to expect um, so how did you get involved first of all with um, new professionals day like new professionals day ireland is relatively new organization so I was so so lucky that when I was doing my master's um it, that was the first year that they held an event and mm-hmm. so it was kind of initially organized by um Mary Trace Carmody yeah, and Sarah, Sarah Connolly yeah. and Peter Fleming um, and the three of them came into a class I think that we were having in the um in in library school and they introduced the idea of what the event was. And I think around the same time, I think a, new, a few people had gone to the ANSL conference yeah. um, from these volunteers or something. And I remember kind of being like, oh, how did they how did they get involved in that? Or how did they know how about they, that? Or, you know, and then when the guys came in and talked about New Professionals Day and that it was going to be a free event um, and that they were going to be talking about this topic and that topic, you know, I was like, yeah, instantly, definitely sign me up and everything. Um, and that was... Uh, David Hughes and Jane Burns talking at that event and I mean that you couldn't have three more kind of inspiring and like passionate people uh, to talk about all the things that we're going to expect after library school and I suppose it was just the most kind of real thing like the masters was great and like covered but this was just so real to meet people who were working in various roles and um so yeah, I was kind of hooked on what they were doing because it was, at the time, the Library Association, there was a fee to join. I think now that for for, yeah. stu- for current students, it's now free to join. But at the time, there was a fee. And, you know, you kind of don't really know where you belong in, in that ro- realm as well. It's a limbo position when you finish 
yeah. you know, as a student and you're taking your first steps into hopefully getting a library job, but you may have graduated and not yet be even working in a library, or you know, you may yeah. not be even be working, but you may, if you are working, that it yeah, isn't necessarily Yeah, and geez, if you're not, and if you're job, not working, first yeah, job, yeah, it's great to keep that contact, and so I guess I must have just been one of those really annoying and enthusiastic people <laughs> who just wouldn't leave them alone so I'm not quite sure I can't remember exactly when but um they asked me to you know help out in an event maybe just signing people in mm-hmm. or that kind of thing so Zoe got more and more involved um and then kind of started like actually like coordinating the events as well as the guys kind of wanted to take a step back mm-hmm. um and uh yeah just like it's I suppose it's really easy like I keep saying it's really easy to be passionate about it because it does serve this really important you know function for new library graduates um and I suppose new professionals day it tries to be sort of overarching for all sorts of information professionals so like some of the events have had excellent speakers you know people from RTE archives from the military archives Mm -hmm. and all the events are free that's kind of the one thing that we're like want to maintain no matter if membership and people organizing the group and stuff change it's the one thing we kind of always would say when we're kind of handing over it's like must stay free so that there's like absolutely zero barriers for people to get involved and that means it's kind of nice because it means obviously you want to deliver like a good high standard event but it sort of takes the pressure off as well because people know that you're doing this on a kind of very voluntary basis everybody's there completely voluntary and you know the the you can kind of take a slightly more informal approach to things as well. Um, so Rational Day itself has like served me really well, and I do think it helps. It helps other people. I've met people, you know, would have met people that who studied DPS rather than UCD. I wouldn't have yeah. maybe met them until I was in a working context. Yeah, you know, it was otherwise. One of the first kind of platforms for people who had obtained their qualification not necessarily just from UCD because obviously yeah. UCD having the long tradition in yeah. Ireland a lot of people know each other through having, having gone been, to UCD yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know mutual friends yeah. who've gone to UCD together or even just those panning over or, you know someone yeah, particular for those people who didn't go through that route yeah. and as one of them myself you know it, it can be there was there was always kind of the perception that everybody who went to UCD they all just know each other and yeah. most people who are information professionals in this country they're all they're all but people who get to know other librarians or other people and yet that's not the case at all we're yeah slowly starting to come out of the woodwork and kind yeah. of come to get this much more of a convergence yeah. of all um, information professionals regardless of what route you went yeah through. and like equally I think that having groups in Ireland um, New Professionals Day and I think you were talking earlier let's say about SLIP yeah. um, and other kind of groups and obviously the career development group is like a brilliant kind of group for I suppose it's it's a good it's career a, you know yeah. it's a career support for everybody but it, it especially helps new professionals it's another kind of route for you know, people who are taking their first yeah. steps after graduation for just kind of but I can't imagine, like, I mean, if you'd studied with Aberystwyth or somewhere else overseas or something yeah. like that, like, how daunting it would be. Like, I know that it's absolutely, you're, you're so lucky to kind of come from, oh, yeah, I studied in UCD and I know this many people and every event, yeah, so you know, like, I think it was, yeah, yeah, it, you're going to know somebody from your class and, yeah, it must be quite daunting to to come from somewhere else and I think that's something that we kind of try to be aware of as well with new professions they kind of would have maybe a few emails from people before the events 
um, I think you know once or twice you've done it more formally or it might just be quite casual people will let you know that they don't know anybody and then yeah. you just make sure that you you know pay a little bit of extra attention and make sure that person is feeling included and eventually once everybody knows that they're all you know studying librarianship and have similar interests yeah, you know but it's, it, that, but it's that it's that walking into a room in the first instance yeah, is, sometimes is so, that's all people yeah. need is just to know that there are going to be other people there who don't know everyone yeah. you just yeah. kind of have to take that first step take yeah. the first step yeah. and your first event your first kind of networking experience as a new professional terrifying. is always really terrifying yeah. and it is actually really important to have someone yeah. who kind of says right either come along with me yeah. or who extends yeah I think I remember you, and says, you know, somebody in the academic and special libraries group was talking about that what you're, you know about having your kind of social and networking events and making sure yeah, that people are we used to do a Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did it the last year. Strangely, like the last year it was done, it was me who did it. I think you know something about talking to students at eight o'clock in the morning was not maybe quite. The I know it, it seems yeah. so sort of uh, modern and American or something. It seems so <laughs> breakfast, crazy. A breakfast I mean, meeting. I that <laughs> the idea of being anywhere at yeah, yeah. eight o'clock in the morning wasn't not not a fun prospect. That did not sit well with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I suppose, yeah, you have to catch catch everybody. And, you know, I suppose we're always trying to now, you know, with New Professions Day, we try and, oh, we have to make sure we promote it and get the students from UCD mm. and DBS to come along. And hopefully, hopefully people still appreciate that it's something, you know, really worthwhile to go to. I think we were, you know, yeah. definitely when I was doing my master's, it was, you know, you felt really grateful that this was something that was there. And then in the first one that happened, say, after you'd graduated, you were getting mm-hmm. to go back and meet people that you hadn't seen in a while. And like you were saying, that sort of, you're so used to being in on top of each other every day for the masters and working in four different group projects at a time, yeah. and sick of people probably. And then when you found this was a really good way to approach, yeah. you know, a, some sort of job application or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. You were creating that sort of space for yeah. So you've got, yeah. like two events every year for that New Professions Day organise, and the next one is on the fourteenth. It's a Saturday. It's the fourteenth Saturday, the fourteenth of October, October, and it's going to be in Dublin Business School. Mm-hmm. It's another and good thing that they're usually on weekends. Which yes. Is quite good for yeah. Working. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It kind of it weeds out all those people who can get to go to courses during their work time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always think that you can go to like really lengthy courses. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. only so much of that you can. Doing. Exactly, and like we like still have so many people come to events who aren't in a position to kind of go to that many training events from yeah. their work, whether it's budget or time, or you know maybe they are just in a temporary contract and they're not asking mm-hmm. to go on those training days. Whatever the reason, Saturdays are are a good day to have them. And you know if it doesn't suit everybody, it doesn't suit everybody. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so being honest at the moment, and I would say by the time this goes out, they're. Um, there's going to be a call out for people to present on their own experiences okay. um, so that'll be around the theme of kind of how you manage and it can take that as broadly as you like so mm-hmm. kind of managing your time or how you manage the kind of job application process or even mm-hmm. if you're still studying like managing your um any really any anything like that but it's going to be in this sort of show and tell format so very nice precise less than five minutes of talking mm-hmm. and then a sort of inform people can come and ask you questions afterwards so we're putting that out as a call out for for all sort of new professionals mm-hmm. it's five years since yeah, qualifying I was just about to but ask you, like, what, what's the cut off 
new professional because I don't know like when do you stop feeling like a new professional I've been in the profession for more than 10 years <laughs> and I still feel like a new professional like, yeah and if you have any I kind do. of major change or anything you still yeah, kind I'm of are like that. oh I kind of need that I need that help again yeah um so yeah I, I've heard it defined as five years since graduating mm. but you know I think you can take that with a pinch of salt and some people still feel like new professionals or you know absolutely is not restricted to people who have an actual library qualification people mm-hmm. who are working in libraries or considering libraries are also absolutely welcome as well yeah i mean maybe in a way people who are considering taking that yeah taking the plunge yeah. into the information profession it, it would be an ideal thing absolutely yeah and also you know we're totally not exclusive you know we like archivists and digital humanists and all sorts of people yeah. who are working with information and that sort of thing it's yeah. becoming such a broad field now and there's a lot of cross-pollination absolutely in, in the best possible way absolutely yeah like, so with the um hashtag on twitter which is great for finding jobs you know the yes. LS, lis jobs i.e um myself and jenny o'neill were talking about mm. oh you know our archives jobs really lis jobs but i kind of still think you know all those information all the information jobs, i know family. it's totally not undermining the different you know degrees or masters and what they're quite different focuses are but put them in the same hashtag I think it helps people to find them and share them with colleagues yeah. and, and that kind of I thing I think I always look at it more as not necessarily what the qualification is that you've had prior to the role yeah. but, or you know, what the, the title is but more just what the skill set yeah. is of the roles yeah. and there's such overlap between them yeah. that you know somebody who is an archivist could easily cross I think, over yeah. into not necessarily all traditional library jobs yeah. but certainly quite a few of I think it's where that kind of uh, absolute navel gazing and sort of oh what, who are we and are we librarians yeah. and do people appreciate us it, it really when you talk to people from outside the information world about the differences between the different you know oh I'm a librarian and they're an archivist you know it's it's just yeah, other people people's just eyes are going to glaze yeah, over at that glaze stage. Over and they're like, yeah. we don't care all of you deal with books, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like reading. They deal with old books, you deal with new books, maybe sometimes books that aren't even books, they're yeah. e-books. Oh, trying to describe to people what I did with IRL was just, you know, <laughs> a yeah. minefield and you know, I try, I'm like, oh yeah, it's you know my responsibility to be able to explain this to people clearly, but mm. you know, if you're trying to explain to family members you know, well, I buy an electronic thing <laughs> that is then read electronically and it, it costs loads of money. <laughs> I'd love to see you know, some kind of a show where someone else a, explains a it back to you. Explains <laughs> what they do to someone else and then they have to explain it back back. yeah I put up a poster recently from I was at the Connell conference and I'd done a poster Mm. and it was just you know all very 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 broad overview of you know viral usage in a day you couldn't even see the pictures and someone in my family said oh now I think I understand better what you do I think we were just being nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh that looks nice yeah you go to conferences and talk (laughs) So yeah, one of the and um, one of the other things that you've been doing for the last couple of years is um, social media management for the Library Association. Yes. So how did? You oh, you see, if you're a that? yes, if you're a yes man, you get asked to do all That's, these yeah, things. Really, that just, don't ever let anybody know how, that you know how to do anything yes. because otherwise yeah. you're just going to get asked to do yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's uh, again. You know, I think I'm trying to remember now. Maybe about two years ish been looking after 
I mean, it's I'm social media officer for the LAI, mm-hmm. but essentially it's, you know, yourself, it's Facebook and Twitter and trying yeah. to sort of think, figure out what is this LinkedIn group all about and is anybody else listening? And does, everyone, <laughs> does everyone actually hate LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah exactly. The oh, here's another email. Is, yes, yes, but we all feel like we have to be on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so just, you know, very much uh, it, the LAI itself, you know, as the body didn't have its own kind of distinct voice on social media, all the groups and sections absolutely excellent at doing mm. their kind of own bit of social media or whether, you know, some I think some groups probably use the lists, the email lists a little bit more. Mm. Um, and, you know, I suppose it was just recognised that it was something that was needed to kind of bring every thing together um and I guess like anything you know when you're doing it voluntarily you go in kind of fits and starts so um uh, I think like overall I think that like the LAI now it's good that there's one place you know that there's one central sort of account on Facebook and and Twitter and um I know that like on those days where you're just really busy and I you can't keep on top of everything else I have a nice little list of what all the other groups and sections are doing and just Mm. you know just even retweeting all those things or highlighting you know job vacancies that are there or good things that are happening um you know I suppose I don't know you probably find this yourself you know when you're on social media sometimes you're kind of am I talking to myself sometimes it feels like you know maybe just you and I are are talking to each other where you have a lot of time to into something or you're kind of building up to something yeah. you know a particular event or a campaign or something exactly. um, and then there are other times where just life intervenes as you yeah. said when you're doing something but I think to not to not have really those put yourself under a huge amount of pressure to meet you know very stringent kind of output yeah. kind of demands yeah of, you know. yeah but I like it's um uh I suppose the LAI itself is kind of such a vital body there in the middle of everything, but it's mm-hmm. it's only kind of as strong as the groups and sections and all the work that that everybody is doing voluntarily. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We were talking earlier about how yeah. you know the job situation is becoming better for everyone, but maybe does that mean everybody's a lot busier? <laughs> There's not so many um, hours for voluntary kind of uh, contributions. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that that's not a kind of an unfortunate kind of byproduct of their being more jobs available yeah. hopefully it just means there's more time for CPD a, a <laughs> yeah. more varied kind of landscape out mm. there mm. it just kind of makes it a, a, a deeper conversation and a more interesting conversation yeah. to get information professionals together because there's less kind of homogeneity in, yeah. in the role that there's you know a lot of I sharing find, that yeah. can be done when there's networking and yeah, I find there's like a lot less chat going on on Twitter. Like there used to be there a lot is, yeah. more interaction I kind of wasn't and a lot sure more talk. That was just me because I don't have as much time. Yeah, for it. well, yeah, uh, you, and, I, and it is very. Like but you know, if there was a good, juicy conversation happening, you kind of you'd see it and you'd be dive yeah, in not, and not anything locally. Anyway. No, like there's things going on. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we've reached a plateau, like in Ireland, I think, where everybody who's on Twitter is sort of there. And I'm hoping now with the Rodi Twenty Three course that's coming up that maybe yes, there'll be like a new injection of people, people sort of there. saying oh yeah I need to I need to finally once and for all get a hang of this yeah, we have this just Twitter saturated the <laughs> librarians or yeah. professionals in this country who oh you know the you know so there's a couple of on. there's a couple of new professionals in work now that aren't you know active Twitter act yeah. addicts and I'm 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 cautious of saying to them oh yeah you need to be on Twitter because I'm like oh I don't want you to 
drag you down to my level. <laughs> yeah, I'm also very conscious of, you know, even though I promote social media, I do training in it and yeah. he, in work, and I can, would be quite uh, an advocate for yeah. the use of social media. Yeah. And I've very much seen the benefit of it. I'm really against that idea that you have to be on something. Yeah. But I do think yeah. you have make a very clear and conscious decision about why you're not. If yeah, you decide or that you're explore not it at least. Any of this stuff, you really need to know why. Um, and also, don't get annoyed about l- losing out on opportunities that are only coming in the direction yeah. of. Where did you hear about that? Where did you hear about that? <laughs> new media, new communication yeah. methods if you have adamantly said you don't want to use them. That's true, um, yeah. I think yeah. it's just, there isn't the luxury that there was, you know, nine or ten years ago when social media was quite a new thing and mm. anyone who was using it, there was the option to be experimental. Yeah. Now, if you're using it, you have to have almost, you know, a, a, a reasonable level of expertise yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and tuning in, I mean, I'm a huge, like... I think, like I saying again, going back to that very first New Professionals Day event that I went to and Michelle talked about Twitter, and mm-hmm. I would still say to people, you've got to tune in and you've got to curate and you've got to look at what what is the information that you're looking for and who are the yeah. people you want to talk to. You know, I mean, lots of people would use Twitter in their kind of personal lives just to follow all the hilarious things that, like, the comedians are saying and all, yeah. all that. But, you know, for me, I try to solely follow kind of library people people that are have similar interests to me and you've got to just tune in and select what you're looking at or look at those hashtags for I think it's as well as that it's kind of knowing the personality and the context within Mm. which you're using Mm. different social media platforms like the the friends family professional approach to it like which which one yeah represents what aspect of your personality because they all work differently for you know they different yeah. platforms work better for and, and they and they change they change all the time you couldn't I, I was thinking the other day even I was like I'm glad I didn't after my master's try and carve out something for myself that was solely based on social media yeah. and that sort of thing because I think now when you kind of look you can't really get heard on Facebook if you're not paying for the ads and yeah, all those it's very hard to get the reach across you know and obviously these services mm-hmm. want to get more revenue out of people and they want to charge you for advertising and things like that and that's that's business that's that's totally normal but to kind of go into it thinking oh yeah I'm going to do this for all the charity NGO public sector you know and and how can people with very small budgets get their voice out there it's not really social media anymore you know yeah and it's difficult and to be honest having had a little bit of experience of using paid yeah um, paid ads on things like Facebook and on Twitter really they are a bit of a red herring um, yeah. if you've got something that's going to take off it's going to take off whether you pay or yeah. not so yeah. posting there, jobs there I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. a job will always get loads of likes, shares, action. loads of action um, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are certain things that will just always get a lot of action whether yeah. you're paying yeah. to have them seen or not so Definitely, it's yeah. a little bit of a waste sometimes yeah I know that and I, I have heard like I think it works for certain groups where they want to target new audiences, you know, yeah. so you can put in the demographic you want to reach out to, like those those things work, mm. perhaps. For, but yeah, you know, very specific product mm. based mm. things it can work really 
But there's such a such a lot of noise there now. Like even, you know, I Instagram would be one thing that's purely just like that I only use for personal use. It's nothing yeah. to do with libraries. Uh, and I usually follow just food and food and mm-hmm. kind of fashion type things. And that's just so many ads, you know, and advertising yeah, things I that really I really don't, like don't want to see. And I I absolutely hate it. It would mm. put me off kind of going on to Yeah, it. it's actually really upsetting mm. when yeah. I've advertising. Yeah. And the fact that it's clearly trying to be well it's borrowed heavily from snapchat but it's yeah yeah i think it's doing the, the stories thing yeah. better than snapchat though yeah um, i haven't played around with it much i'm yeah. still a no i haven't a, either there i know i've realized there's a point you reach where you go snapchat no i don't get it <laughs> yeah can't. no there, well, there's a point that you reach where you kind of go well like, you know I, I could just try out every new thing that comes up yeah yeah you know, into infinity oh yeah or Sure, everybody had to have that when really that Yik Yak came out. I don't know if that Yik still Yik even happens, but I had to download the app and see oh, yeah, like I what are people to. saying in this vicinity. Particularly <laughs> whenever we were teaching in yes, UCD, exactly. Yeah, that was very yeah. interesting to have yeah. Yik Yak installed whenever Dangerous was teaching thing. in UCD. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a, although to be honest, yeah, that that's a that's a little bit of a like you know one of those things where it's such a fad. I'm not sure if I want to be looking into yeah. this. You know, yeah. It's like I've lifted up. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I've lifted the veil now, and I didn't want to see what was behind there. The, the, I'd rather not the know that people, there was mold growing underneath that yeah, piece of paper. Exactly. Yeah. The amount of people who are just seriously concerned about, you know, STDs and chicken filler rolls seems to be like really a big concern. That sounds a like a student. student yeah, yeah. Chicken filler rolls. Obsessed. People are obsessed with them. <laughs> I really didn't know that until I was looked on Yikyak up in UCD. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a recipe for success. You spend six months out of this country and you will have the same obsession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's your, your next move? You're obviously working on the October uh, Yeah, the event. October event. Um, so have uh, you started booking for that yet? Or uh, taking reservations? Open, yeah. Not yet. No. Okay. Yeah, when, so when does booking open for that? I don't have the information, but if you <laughs> well, uh, if if, if you follow NPD Ireland yeah, on so Twitter, yeah, on definitely, the... yeah, and uh, with Twitter and Facebook quite active, mm-hmm. um, I definitely would recommend anybody, even if you can't get to the event, definitely following the new Professional Day Twitter account. We try yeah. to kind of make it as interesting and kind of targeted for things that would be interesting to to new professionals your, your blog as well the blog kind of yeah, into what you've done before exactly yeah you can see an archive of previous slides and everything yeah yeah great okay so everyone can keep their eye keep on tabs, NPD yeah. yeah definitely and come along on the 14th of October yeah yeah come along definitely submit a five minute uh, presentation yeah. a show That's and tell aspect well. absolutely and you know if the prospect kind of is a little bit daunting, you know, it only gets easier the more and more you do yeah. these presentations. It's a good way to start. Yeah, it's start a great start. It's new professionals. There's not going to be, you know, some scary senior colleague or anything watching you. It's it's all yeah. very supportive and open and lovely. <laughs> yeah. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you exactly? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, thanks very much for for talking to me. Shana. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks a lot to Shona for talking to me. Um, as Shona mentioned, she will also be talking at the New Professionals Day Ireland event on October 14th. So if you want to hear more from her about uh, navigating your way as a new information professional, then do sign up for the event and consider submitting for their show and tell. Librarians Allowed is produced and presented by Laura Rooney Ferris. Music and editing are by Michael Ferris. Wow.